This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very, very, very special guest. We got AJ Raphael here today. OG YouTuber, oh musician, one of the people that you probably have listened to your whole lives. Pay some fucking respect, you pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm crying and laughing. At I mean, people have been watching you since middle school days, too. That's fucking nuts, right? Come on. Yeah. How long have you been doing YouTube? I feel like you started before me. I, I came on towards like this latter end. Sure. Um, after, you know, you guys were doing it. And then uh-huh. I kind of came towards that just when everybody else started doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my 14 year is about to come up. September 10, 2006. Oh, shit. Yeah. Can you believe that? I mean, so when was you? 07, 08? I was, I think I'm 10 years now. So maybe four years after you. Oh, four years. Oh, my God. Yeah. I started really after I saw like. David Choi was the first mm-hmm. singer-songwriter I saw, who was Asian specifically. Yeah. So I was like, all right. But before that, bro, I, I had been doing MySpace like heavily. MySpace. That yeah. was Tim too. Tim was Tim, on MySpace exactly. first. So yeah. we were on the charts together because he was an independent artist. And you'd look at the genres and stuff for MySpace music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would always see him as well on the charts, on the whatever that meant. Yeah. I don't know what it meant. But yeah, bro, like been in the the game i guess since yeah 2005 maybe then how did that transition happen from uh myspace uh over to youtube was that from myspace youtube this direct i mean to me it was like if i look back on it now i was like cross promoting without knowing what that was right so youtube had a player for videos that i would really just use youtube to get my videos on my myspace page that was my purpose of youtube Yeah, yeah i didn't found out i had subscribers until I saw 1,000 and I was like, does this mean money? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, at the time there was no monetization. No monetization, right? So uh, I had 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Then I started uh, focusing my efforts on on YouTube specifically and paying attention to the community there. Because on MySpace, I'm like posting the bulletins. Mm. Um, My first cover was a Megan Dia song like a medley really yeah. isn't that fucking nuts because you know them now isn't that crazy we're friends with them yeah. like what the hell how fucking crazy um because i was trying to get their attention because i love their music so much so i made a medley i got it i uploaded it on youtube um i'm in my my boxers are showing in that video bro i'm just like <laughs> yeah I'm not even, i look at the camera barely you uh-huh. know and then uh i upload it so i could put it on my myspace dia or meg finds it they put me on their top eight Wow. And, and my video got like 30,000 views, which was like crazy at that Ridiculous time. Ridiculous amount, yeah. Because they also shared it on their profile. And I was like, whoa, this is the power of video. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, MySpace has it had its own video for a, for a little bit, but it wasn't as good and um, it just streamed so much better from YouTube. So 
that was the the beginning of it. And the transition was literally only because I was getting a lot more engagement, which I didn't call it back then. Yeah. Uh, and community. I started seeing the same usernames comment, you know, yeah. things like that, you know, in the beginning of a journey. And that was the transition, bro. And then from like 2007 on probably was like, I stopped really paying attention to MySpace. It was still there till 08, 09. I was using it to upload music files. Mm. Uh, but YouTube was really where um, where my heart was and where I was uploading consistently. You know what's weird? I, th- I feel the people don't understand that when YouTube started, there was no money involved. Oh, yeah. People only created just to create. Oh, totally. There was no uh, monetary incentive. Yeah. So when we were doing it at the time, when I started doing it, I only did YouTube just so I could get booked for bigger stand-up gigs. Of course. So it, it was like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm in college right now. I don't have time to hit up comedy gigs anymore, all this other stuff. So I wanted to create comedy on YouTube, which I didn't know you could do yeah. for the longest time because I was just learning how to fix my car on it and doing all this <laughs> yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the how-tos. And there would be like musicians on there. But I didn't know that I didn't need to be a special person to upload videos. Right. I was just watching K-dramas, all this other I shit. I feel you. I mean, and that's... That's why it was so magical during that time. You know, I think that when we started using like DSLRs and things like that mm-hmm. was really probably the t- time around monetization. monetization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I was at, uh, I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston Eesh. and I was playing, uh, making YouTube videos and stuff every week. And even the teachers are like, what are you doing? Like the students are like, um, don't you want to make sure your stuff is copywritten first and all these mm-hmm. things? I think there's this mindset, especially at a music school where, Everything has to be perfect before you release it. I yeah. think any musician has that really in their in their minds. But me coming from MySpace and YouTube and stuff, I was just putting whatever whatever I wanted out there. So I think that was a little different for everybody. And but during that time, uh, two thousand nine, I would say I applied for monetization uh, while I was in college. I remember oh, being a computer, nuts, man. and you had to uh, you had to write a whole damn essay at that time. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think I was one of the first, maybe. Uh, 3,000 creators accepted into the monetization program. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, YouTube partners. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, bro. Oh, so you were at like the, the cusp of it. Yeah, like I remember when that email came through, I applied right away and uh, I got accepted. And a lot of our Holy friends, shit. like um, I remember Alyssa Bernal and some other singer-songwriters and stuff, they weren't accepted in the first round. And they were like, hey, and my friend Albert poses to YouTuber. He's like, how, what did you say in your essay? Or like, what did you say? Check the check boxes. I don't remember exactly what was on there, but it was that time, bro. Holy Pretty crazy. shit. Yeah. Cause I, when I did, by that time there was already monetization, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't know about it Yeah. because I, I remember, um, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Wu. So Kevin Wu was up and he was on the news. So I actually met Kevin Wu before. I didn't even know I met him Yeah. because he, he used to go to Davis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, he was there for a while. I actually met him when he was playing ball and my buddy James punked him on the court. No. <laughs> so it was the fucking funniest thing. I don't know if I told the story, but. Were you playing a show at UC Davis? Or you no, I there? wasn't even really a YouTuber. Okay. I, just, I was doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was there and we were playing ball and my buddy, a buddy of mine named James, he's decent at basketball, tall dude, roughly about my height. When we used to play ball up, we used to play at, you know, the, the courts in Davis. So he would invite me over. Oh, that's dope. And so Kevin had a habit. At that time of, I don't know how he plays ball now, but he would, if he had the fucking ball in his hands, he would shoot it. It's like, (laughs) so my buddy James, you know, this is a team sport and James plays ball pretty seriously. He's really good. So this fool would always just take it to the hole. And then James got so fucking mad at Kevin. He ripped the ball out of his hand. He goes, if you don't know how to fucking play ball, get the fuck off the court. 
And then, and then, you know, very disheartening. And I kind of yeah. looked at him like, hey, sure. bro, like, don't, sure. don't talk to that dude yeah. like that. It's just regular ball. He's like, he's fucking screwing everything up. And then one of our other buddy comes over and he goes, hey, that dude's famous. I was like, from what? And he was like, he's like on this thing called YouTube. I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck that shit was at the time. Yeah. And so James was like, I don't give a fuck. Right? He goes, he doesn't know how to fucking play ball. And he kicks him off the court. Holy shit. <laughs> no way. And that's the first thing I remembered of him. And I only remember that memory after I met him in person. I was like, right. you're that kid that was on the basketball court in my mind. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh shit, my buddy James punked your ass. Yeah. That shit was terrible. I'm sure he remembers that shit. It was so, very uncalled for though. Like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, especially on a basketball court. It's just like a friendly game or whatever. He's like, just like one of those dudes that plays ball and he thinks that, you know, he's going to go to the fucking NBA or some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, dog, this is not fun anymore. Like super serious. Yeah, he's just yelling at people. I feel you. Yeah, Kev, Kev is, he was one of the first people I met also after he was, you know, Kev Jumba and already mm-hmm. had a, a lot of followers and stuff. But he was, he was super cool. And I could tell that he was probably just a normal kid in high school yeah. who suddenly had fame all of a sudden. I, I was just watching his videos the other day because it popped up in, you know, the suggested stuff. Yeah. I was like, Man, this kid was really ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, like what, what he was doing on on that page, it's it's basically the platform that everybody just stole off of. Like he, he's this originator of this yep. complete style. That style, yeah. The cuts just, and everything. And yeah, I was kind of looking at it, I was like, this kid was people don't even understand how genius what he was doing. Totally. It, it was just complete genius. I was looking at it, I'm like, it's still good till this day. If somebody yeah. recreated his content right mm-hmm. now, it would still be current. Oh, totally. You know, I feel that. I mean. You know, I think of that time, and this probably is a little dramatic, especially for people who maybe did not grow up around that time or wasn't familiar with that. But I like to call it the the Asian American Renaissance mm. type. You know, that era of YouTube, kind of the golden era for Asian Americans, was really because a lot of us, do including you, man, like w- was a pioneer for a lot of the content that ended up being, uh, you know, picked up by brands and stuff that that non-Asians started to probably get money to be paid to make that content that we were already doing. A hundred percent. You know, and that it's hard to ever prove that. And, you know, I hate, you know, playing the whole, the race thing and because we were Asian or whatever, but I really believe that um, if, if brands and, and big companies were investing in us as artists during that time, you know, I think it would have taken off even more. I mean, what do you think that is? Like, I, I, for me, I don't know. Uh, like, I do agree with you. I just, I've never been able to kind of, maybe because I never knew where I fit, right? Sure. I think as a, as an Asian American, I never fit into even Asian Americans. Like, I'm always in this like weird nebulous space, you know, even so when I was making my content, I didn't know that the things that I was saying wasn't uh, typical of what they expected an Asian American sure. kid to t- talk like, right? Because sure. I think I was one of the first few that just would talk shit to a camera, you know? <laughs> like I would literally- Yeah, you're like t- cursing and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. And everything was very flowery, very nice. Or if they would talk about social issues or something, it would it would come from a very intelligent intelligent point of view. I was just telling people dumb fucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck you, go die. I don't give a fuck about you. And in my mind, this is how- me and my friends talk. So I, I assume that that's how the rest of the world was, right? So even when I, I remember too, when um, I had to get Phil on here too, where I, I, I remember I saw Wang Fu stuff, right? And I couldn't relate to it because I didn't, that's not the type of Asian Americans I grew up around. Sure. A lot of the Asian Americans I grew up around, I mean, I did have my really nice close friends, which they're the ones that stuck around the most, but I grew up around some pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it wasn't the love story. It wasn't yeah. this, you know. The shy Asian it yeah. wasn't. It was people like Stereotype. me, just loud as fuck, doing dumb shit. I feel you, man. I think I kind of grew up 
in that spectrum, you know, I think being Filipino, especially, um, I never also felt like I fit in with you know, the the Asian Americans at like my school or whatever. Mm. You know, we mostly hung out with uh, the black and Mexican crowd. You know what I mean? Because it, probably a colorism thing back in the day without even knowing <laughs> yeah, that it was, like, right? It's like, <laughs> you just had to look at the colors chart. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're on this side. <laughs> you're on this side, man. Yeah, like my best friend, Arby, yeah. he's he's really dark. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I felt like we just felt more comfortable on that side and didn't have a lot of um, East Asian friends, I guess, mm-hmm. East Asian American friends. So me too, also not really relating uh, specifically to Wong Fu stuff, except the fact that, I was like a songwriter. Mm. I was also a writer, you know, and ended up hooking up with them in 2009. Uh, the same time I met like Kev and Christine Happy Slip and Victor Kim and all of them. Oh, yeah. And asked them to do a music video. I actually grew up with Victor. Well. Exactly. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah, Zach. Yeah, we're family friends. So my, my mom and his mom are like best friends. Um, Did Dom, was Dom up there too? Dom was up there too. So I actually got to know Dom more over here, but he was in the same crew as Victor. So of I course, knew, yeah. I knew of him. Yeah, That's cool. I just texted him to see if he's fine. Yeah, he was. He, I just knew him as the fat boy that could do air flares. Oh. <laughs> That's what I, I was like, that boy's chunky, but that boy flying in the air like a motherfucker. You know? I hope he's doing okay, Victor. We love you, man. Sheesh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I feel like that early kind of crew of YouTube, all of us, we were dancers, comedians, and and musicians and stuff. I think that led me to relate and feel more part of the community, I guess. But I, you know, I relate to you in a sense where. I I didn't really know my my place until I I made my own mark I guess for sure and I think I think the cool thing too that I see specifically in like the Filipino American community you guys are a lot more supportive uh, I think than Korean Japanese and all the other Asian counterparts you guys have that that community when you see greatest example is Joe Koi. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever Joe Coy does something, he sells out immediately, and his whole crowd is Filipino. Oh my god, so right. And I I think Joe Coy is probably one of the best Filipino comics out there, hands yeah. down, right? Mm-hmm. Even for me, sometimes too, like I see some of his jokes and they can be a little repetitive because he always talks about his mom. Sure. Still makes me laugh though. Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. But that kind of shows his, how much like deep support he has. No matter what he does, his community backs him up. And yeah. I, sometimes I don't feel that same way when it comes to, uh, you know, other like East Asians or even like Korean people, Japanese people. I mean, we do support each other. Sure. But Filipino Americans, they kind of have this different kind of support. Yeah, I think I've heard that in a lot of ways where people are like, when they come to like a Filipino culture night at a college, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's Filipino popping. and, you know, yeah, it's amazing. There's like, there's even food and shit and like people, you know, just celebrating, having a good time. And I remember one of my Korean friends back in the day, he was like, I've never seen this for our club. Yeah. It's never been like That's lit like this. Korean people aren't allowed to emote. That's why. <laughs> like if you smile, you get your ass beat. That's what happens. You're only allowed to be angry. That's it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like you don't say the words I love you to your dad. Mm-hmm. This podcast is brought to you by Fiverr, my friends. Have you ever needed freelance work that was reliable, but you just couldn't find it? Well, that's because you haven't heard of Fiverr. 2020 has been the year of uncertainty. So how can your business plan for the unexpected? Well, guess what? You do that by hiring reliable freelance work to get stuff done that you can't get done. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and a bunch more. I use Fiverr for a whole bunch of stuff like if I ever need a website stuff to be done on the fly and I don't have time to do it or there's certain things that I don't know how to do I always hit up Fiverr the pricing is there 
there. It's I don't have to negotiate anything. Um, there's plans to when it will be delivered and it's always been delivered on time and it's just been a really easy experience for me finding freelance work. So check it out, guys. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code GB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at Fiverr.com code GB. Again, that's Fiverr.com code GB. Type that kind of thing. And if I think that's a little yeah. different than Filipino, mm-hmm. you know, Americans who and Filipinos, obviously, who you know, it's always kiss on the cheek and stuff. And you're always saying, I love you. Fucking family parties. Like they always make you feel inclusive. So whenever, like all the Filipino homies, whenever I went there, it's like, this is a different fucking vibe. You know, Korean people have a warmth too. Right. But it's not, of course, it's not as emotive. Like you guys express it a lot. And I think like, even my first introduction to the gay community was through a Filipino homie, you know what I mean? Where their family, it was just, the gay brother <laughs> you know it wasn't a big fucking it wasn't deal. a big deal it yeah. wasn't a big fucking deal mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh this is this is a different fucking dynamic right 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 right. and so like i like just going i remember i used to get hyped about any type of graduation because it was going to be a family party <laughs> and you know there's gonna be there's tons of food that fucking lechon in the middle yep. of the fucking table Shown right there yep. and i don't have to use fucking utensils like i eat with my fucking hands <laughs> oh shit was great and it's accepted <laughs> yeah the spaghetti with the sugar and shit in it. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. I feel I mean, I feel like maybe probably back then, I'm sure the competition that you're talking about where there people are not uh as supportive mm-hmm. has probably gotten better because of YouTube and the media and, mm-hmm. and seeing more people like you uh you know out there doing their thing. It makes it feel less competitive. But um I mean, in Filipinos probably like Koreans as well as like um anyone who's like slightly Filipino like Rob Schneider's half Filipino, you know, and Nicole Scherzinger is half <laughs> Filipino. <ours. laughs> yeah, Bruno Mars, they're ours. And it's always like, oh, they're Filipino, they're Filipino. So I think it's always been kind of celebrated, which has been really cool. And for sure, I feel in in like the Asian American space, I think Filipino culture embraces art a lot. Yeah. And that was very refreshing to see. I mean, everybody know in high school, I, what's his name? Fucking, oh my God, I should know this motherfucker's name. He, inf- he, this motherfucker got me so much pussy. What's his name? Jeremy Passion. <laughs> <laughs> This motherfucker, he had his little little ukulele and his guitar shit, and and yep, that was lemonade. The fir- the, yes, lemonade. That's the song. Yeah. That song got so much women to talk to me. I learned that song with the quickness, dude. I, I didn't even know how to play guitar at the time. I picked it up. I'm like, like I'm gonna learn chord, this. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna learn this fucking song, <laughs> and girls are gonna like me, and it worked. Yeah, dude. I mean, Jeremy, he's he's obviously iconic for many reasons, but that song in particular. And his cover of My Boo. Oh, um, yes. Those came in the early days of the internet. So there wasn't really like a dedicated video player. I remember downloading it off a sharing site. And it was like a weird format. You download it and it got spread to the social networks. And it wasn't really, he didn't even record that legit until maybe 2008, 2009. But that video of him uh, doing Lemonade got that was probably like the first viral hit I've ever heard of. It was nuts. That wasn't, you know, he wasn't a, on a label or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, I remember meeting him. I was only 15, 16. I played a show with him. He must have been 19 at the time or 18 or 19. And he was he was the coolest guy. I always like just maybe assumed he would be like a jerk or something. <laughs> Anybody who you who's doing it and you don't know them, because now we can look at your videos and kind of see how... You're pretty similar, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. how you are in your videos and yeah. in real life, you know, and you never know how they are. But yeah, Jeremy Passion, definitely one of the pioneers, man. Yeah, just listening to 
his music. Well, number one, I remember I just liked him in general because I was a huge music soul child fan. Yeah. I was like, oh, this guy has a music soul child vibe yep. for sure. R&B his for runs, sure. How he just kind of, even how he writes, it's very, very similar yeah. to him. So mm-hmm. I, I dug his music a lot. But just that whole, he kind of started that whole cover acoustic renaissance. Him and uh, Gabe Bond. Gabe Bondock. Those two yep. kind of came up together at the same yeah. time. And I remember people were like, who do you think is better, Gabe or like, I know, Jerry? there's always that competition, man. <laughs> well, especially because they're they're the same age, you know. They're, okay. they're around the same age. So I think they were getting compared a lot, especially because, as you said, um, big R&B influences. Mm-hmm. I'd say Gabe has just as many similarities to Music Soul Child as well. So you can tell they're very heavily influenced by 90s R&B and mm-hmm. Music Soul Child, who's also very influenced by that. But uh, I also would compare them a lot too before I was friends with them. And I always just say it was so different because for me, uh, Gabe Bundock reminded me at that time more of like a John Mayer sure. type sure. of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, his voice very R&B, but his guitar playing mm-hmm. something else. Exactly. He could really make the guitar sing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy's strength is uh, on the keys as well. I mean, he's yeah. sick on the guitar too. But I think they had both had different strength, but... Yeah, you could probably you put put them on the same playlist and still vibe out same vibe. Oh, hundred percent, sure. man. Yeah. I, it's it's kind of nice too when I see them still making music. Yeah, and you could see like the evolution of their music too, just from that small little guitar yeah. to what it's become now. And totally. Like, yeah, this is kind of nuts because just just you you never know what was go- you never knew what was going to happen with them, right? Because I think they really sparked something for other creators. And sometimes when I saw other creators kind of I don't want to say move past them, but it was I was always waiting. It's like, when are you guys gonna? Sure. Jump on this, you know, sure. but for them, I think that happens to a lot of people who kind of innovate when they start something, we don't really think about the what next part. Yeah. Right. So when I was doing the, the, the whole rant stuff and then everybody else started doing these rant stuff too. I never thought about the what next because yeah, I could still do the same stuff over and over and over, but after 10 years, I'm gonna get fucking exhausted from yeah. this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also to, to be angry all the time. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you I mean, you're, you're living in the moment every mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So it is hard to kind of think of what's next. I feel you. It's kind of easy to look at it from the outside and be like, wow, I hope they get signed to a record label or whatever, and they're going to hit big. And, you know, if you think about someone like Daniel Caesar, and then you think about Jeremy Passion and Gabe on Doc, you're like, dude, they should be a a Daniel Caesar big right now. You know, you kind of think of them as pioneers. And um, there was a video of Daniel Caesar with his first um, name. He wasn't named Daniel Caesar at the time singing Lemonade. That's fucking nuts, And we didn't dude. find that out until maybe a year and a half ago. And Jeremy was like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? That dude listened to Jeremy. and Dude, Justin Bieber's favorite artist when he was younger was Jeremy Passion. It was on his uh, YouTube bio. Yeah. Or MySpace bio. So I, I totally feel you. I think it's like an in-between generations type thing. And, you know, obviously I know that they're they're happy right now. They, they both have kids. You know, yeah. they're both doing their thing. But I always have hoped that they would reach, not that they're not successful now, obviously, but a more like worldwide or mainstream success. Especially you know? because of all the artists that they've personally touched, right? That yeah. they they kind of drew inspiration from them. And I still think they, they still have it. You know, yeah. it's just a matter of want because the space is so interesting. You can't, the hard thing about, I think music has become that much more difficult on YouTube than it ever has been. Oh right now. my God. Tell me about it. Bro. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. Right. And I think the difficult part about it is, and I talked about this on another podcast as well, is that what people considered good music or just music in general, the definition has changed so much. And also too, when it comes to pirating people's shit, people would rather see 
you do a cover of somebody else's shit than listen to somebody else's original music. And I'm the exact opposite, right? So after I saw somebody do a couple of covers, I'm just like, all right. What's, the, what's their original <laughs> Yeah, stuff where's your like? original music? And I hear the original music. I'm like, this shit sucks. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like, yo, your shit fucking sucks, bro. Like, how, how do you, and I think what happens too is that I think borrowing and gaining inspiration is very fucking important. You can't create art unless you consume art, period, end of story. That's what I believe, right? But at a certain point, you're going to have to take those influences and make it something of your own. So if you haven't really explored that, you're not practicing it. And then out of nowhere, you come with an original album. It's like, cool. And it sounds like trash. I'm not surprised. Bro, I am with you 100%. And like, I've never really had an outlet to like <laughs> even talk about this really until now. But I think a part of it too is, you know, when people are doing covers all the time in the same style, you know, there's a certain comfortability, yeah. obviously. And it's working to a certain extent. And yeah, it's probably still getting consistent views and, and all these things and stuff. But for me personally, and different things might fulfill them, but that that wouldn't fulfill me. You know, I would rather see, have somebody obviously see my covers on YouTube, go to my Spotify and see all my originals and mm -hmm. be like, this is what I kn now know him for. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and do that. And that that comes from kind of like a high horse a little bit where it's like. This podcast is brought to you by Purple, my friends. Have you been sleeping on a piece of turd your whole life, I guarantee you have not been sleeping on a purple mattress, let alone any purple product, because their products are absolutely amazing. If you've ever received a purple product before, you already know about the technology. You already know about that mesh integrated cooling stuff, that rocket science technology that was developed to keep you comfortable. I've had the worst sleeps of my life until I met up with my purple. Well, my friends, Experience the Purple Grid and you'll sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash GB10 and use promo code GB10. For a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash GB10. Promo code GB10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Terms apply. I, I'm very proud that a lot of my originals have way more hits than the covers. Hell yeah. You know, I think... I, I want to be proud of that. And that does come from a place where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, patting myself on the back as well. I wouldn't personally, though, find that fulfillment and joy from doing the same thing. Dude, some of these guys are our friends, yeah. you know, and and I I want to challenge them also to be like, dude, let's do something different. Yeah. You know, let, that's what music is. It, it should not evolve, like change genres or anything, mm -hmm. but if you're doing the same thing over and over, I expect you to be at least a better musician in the oh, a hundred percent. I agree. Years, you know yeah, what I mean? I agree. Yeah, I mean, dude, watching your journey too, music-wise, bro. Like everything you've been doing, seeing you get uh, have cleaner riffs as a singer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Finding your voice and stuff. I will celebrate that way more than someone who's getting millions and millions of views off doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, and look, with my music too, I never take it too seriously because. I don't, I don't know my voice quite yet still, sure. you know, cause I haven't sat down and tried to do music. It's always been fun. Right. And only in the last year I started doing different music. I was like, you know what? Oh, this is not my living. Why don't I just try this out? <laughs> yeah, Why dude. don't I just give this a go? And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I put it out and then I'm just, all right, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. onto the next one, onto the next There's one. There's less pressure a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent. So like when, you know, when I put out some of these tracks, be like, oh, it's different than the last one. It's like, cause I don't have a vibe or a sound. I'm just right, doing right. this for fun. And I got to figure, there's no way I can figure it out unless I try. Yeah. So, you know, music too. That's why, you know, Kanye West, he's a nutbag, right? But the reason why I appreciated him so much as an artist is because you can never compare his 
first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth album to the other one. Yeah. They were all so different. Yeah. And they were good in their own type of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even his later albums, wasn't that big of a fan. But there was a few tracks that I really enjoyed. And it was... I could listen to it separately from his next album and understand which album was what. Right, right, right. Sometimes things get so monotonous and people don't want to challenge themselves. And I think, like, I like covers. I think covers are dope, especially when you add your own spin to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think almost every cover that I put out in the last, like, two years, they sound nothing like the original. Yep. Right? Because I just want to have fun with it. Yeah. It might not be better, but at least I'm having fun with it and I get to figure it out. but why not? Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel you about the Kanye thing because his albums... They had a theme, but did not sound monotonous. Mm-hmm. The, the tracks did not, you know, but they were all its own piece of work. And that's what I also miss about music, you know, listening to albums. Yeah. You know, like my favorite album of all time is Boyz II Men 2 album. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is like an album that you can just repeat and not have to take out songs and put in different ones and things like that. And I think music is kind of in a place right now where it's fine that we have singles and things like that. But uh, yeah, the beauty of Kanye's early albums especially is something different. Also, too, if you guys are going to sing out there, and I would really appreciate this, is when <laughs> when you're on stage and it's just you and a mic and you're just going to bring a fucking guitar, guess what? You don't have auto-tune, buddy. You don't have Melodyne. <laughs> and we got to listen to that shit. Dude, you have no idea how many times I've been to these college shows with other artists and they get on that mic. And I'm like, you are fucking flat. Through the whole song. Okay. <laughs> you know? How fucking dare you? Um, you're, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I, I would say that um, it. I give them a little bit of grace sometimes because I think like you, you how you said you did, you were doing stand-up first. Yeah. You know? For me, I was playing a lot of shows in backyards in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't get... Um, it's not like I got big on YouTube and started playing shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing shows... And then was applying all this stuff that I learned in the real world, even the the way you hold properly hold your mic and how close and far you get to it. I learned that, you know, doing it real time. Yeah. So when you see these singers, uh, the up and coming singers and YouTubers and and some who are our friends who when you see them performing, it's a little awkward or, yeah, they're, they might be out of tune because they don't really know how to mess with monitors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I completely feel you. I've experienced it to to someone who has headlined over me, yeah. who kind of came up faster, you know, even though they came up after me and I'm just watching and I'm like, that's crazy that it has to be based on numbers or views. Yeah. It's, and, a, it's an art for performing live is such a hard art form too, yeah. right? Like I remember on a show, I'm going to put you on blast, bro. But this dude, he was performing, he was singing, it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm key. I was like, bro, your front monitors aren't on. You're not going to be able to hear yourself, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't even look that far past it. And so when he was singing, he was like, I'm not sure if I was like, you didn't ask for the front monitors to be on. How can you hear yourself? You can't hear yourself. You I know? feel you. It's, you're right. It's an art form. It's about communicating to the sound guy what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's communicating beforehand what you think you might need. You know, I'm sure we've all played college shows where the sound is just shit. Oh, it's like, and- that's like 80%. <laughs> like 80%. I'm like, shit. Even when you do prepare, but at least you'll know what is wrong and then you can either compensate for it or um, or just go with it and and know that in your mind, you did a good performance. Yeah. That's why I hate it when, I, when I'll do some of these college speaking engagements, right? And they go, can you sing for us? I was like, I, I'm going to be off key because I can't hear myself. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, 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 right. And they just do it. I'm like, fuck you guys. I literally <laughs> can't hear myself. So I know I'm off key 100% because no, it's, yeah. it's so hard. Like people don't understand that. Yeah. They go, just sing. I was like, I can't. I it's can't so hear different. It. Yeah, just yeah. sing. Oh my God, I hate <laughs> that. I mean, you know, I kind of look at it as like, 
if you invite a doctor to your hospital, he's going to need his same tools, man. Yeah. So whatever makes that artist more comfortable and to make them more either on pitch or or whatever, their stage presence, the vibe, you know, you could tell when an artist is off his game, mm-hmm. you know, when they're not putting the idea, ideal thing. So I've, I've been at some college shows that have stepped up their game sound wise. And I really appreciate and remember those schools, yeah. <laughs> you know? So then when someone's like, Hey, have you played at, you know, uh, there's a university in Jacksonville. I'm like, yes, I have played there and their venue is awesome. <laughs> and their sound is great. Have you ever had, what's, what's like the worst show that you've ever done? <laughs> oh, one one of the worst ones was it the thing is is I kind of risk it. Uh I invite my band. Mm. I pay them with my rate because I know it's like it's not like they're trying to pay for five guys or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I know for me it is a risk if I bring them. And uh we got there and there was no uh like mics on the drum set and the drum set was like it was trash. Oh no. It was a piece of trash. This yeah. was up north. And I remember looking at my drummer. I was like, "What do we do, man?" He's like, "Let's just let's just do it." He was also excited too because you know I flew him out and stuff, you yeah. know. And uh, I had a the my, the keyboard that I was using was a Casio, and not that I shit on Casio, but um, I like to play like weighted keys and like it's a certain type of way. There's a couple of keyboards that I request. Um, didn't get that one anyway. We we play the we play the show and the monitors blow out in the front. And the piano falls, bro. Oh. On the thing, because the stand was like a single brace. Oh, stand, shit. bro. Yeah. And I just remember the drums, like he just kept going and stuff. And I'm looking back. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just so awkward. My guitarist keep playing and he's on a really small amp too. And I felt like part of that was, was the vibe and me also, instead of just being like, oh, fuck it, let's let's just play the show. Mm-hmm. You know? I was really worried about every single thing. Yeah. So I'll remember just being so uncomfortable, man. And like, luckily though, I love um, bantering on stage and I, I'll be like, oh, that was awkward. Like yeah. I'll say that out loud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's just kind of a, I saved myself. But I, I would say that was the first thing that that comes to mind. And and ultimately they had to, that had to do with sound and equipment. Yeah. You know, for you, when you, um, like it wasn't that long ago, but I remember uh, you tweeted that, you know, you have X amount of views and then the, or the subscribers and the views don't reflect kind of like the hard work that you put into. Like what was like going on through your head? Cause I've had those moments too, yeah. where specifically when, well, my channel, because I say a lot of bullshit, for example, the word bullshit, <laughs> it's already going to be demonetized. And sure. I've, I've learned to kind of accept that, but it was, it was difficult. Right. And I've talked about it on this podcast where I, I made a decent amount of money just on ad revenue alone. Yep. Right. And then that dwindled by a ridiculous amount. It was like averaging 18, 19, 20K a month for me. And then went down to about 2000 to $1,000, you know? And it's in the hundreds for me, but yeah, yeah. Days, so. yeah. So it's kind of crazy, right? And when we see that number and how much it dwindled and o- over stuff that you can't control, it's like, okay, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what I mean, what happens? You know? So, I mean, similar to kind of what, what you're doing, you know, you kind of pivoted a little bit. You're doing this this podcast more than you're doing YouTube videos, you mm-hmm. know, for me, I had to kind of look at other ways, but the, that tweet specifically came from this thing I, I did called July jam sessions where I planned how to do a video every other day, a new collab with somebody. Yeah. Virtually, obviously. <laughs> and it's, it's very hard in, in theory. It sounds right. Two years ago, I did this thing called January and I did it this last year as well. Um, the first time I did a video every day, 
Jesus. But I saw the numbers, bro. I gained <laughs> I gained about a hundred thousand subscribers. Oh wow! Doing that. So when I saw that growth, I was like, consistency does work. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I speak at colleges and they ask me to talk about social media and YouTube stuff, you know, I'm like, consistency wins all day. Yeah. Even if the quality or whatever some sometimes of your content is not the best all the time. Yeah. You know, but for me as a musician. I, I want the best of both, obviously, right? You know, because I do care about the quality. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I did that in, for January two years ago. Last year, I did it every other day. Still saw a good amount of growth. Um, so this year, I wanted to do it because I'm like at 950,000 subscribers. And I was like, I want to reach a million just to say I did it. Even though YouTube's not like, I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. So July Jam Session start, started this this time. And I kind of expected the same kind of growth I had with January yeah. two years ago. I mean, granted, it's different. We're in a pandemic. We're all in quarantine. We're consuming art in different ways. Um, and a lot of them were like virtual collabs and stuff. But yeah, when I saw the views, um, and I again, I almost have a million subscribers. I'm averaging like on these videos for that first half, like 6,000, 7,000 views. And it would like plateau, mm-hmm. you know. I looked, I looked at them just today before I got in here. I'm like... Oh, some of them are at like 14,000, which yeah. is fine. I don't take those for granted. Um, but when I look at that, I'm like, I got to continue to evolve and not necessarily like change my content, but let me look at these other platforms. So, bro, like after that tweet, just two weeks ago, I did a video with my girlfriend on TikTok that ended up blowing up. It has like 8 million views now. Yeah. She's at her work from home setup. I'm playing piano. I wanted to see if she would sing along. People loved it. So now we're doing work from home covers. I'm on my desk. She's on her desk. Mm. And that was my way of like kind of pivoting in a way and focusing on that. It's like minute long content. It's easy. I love doing it. I'm doing it with somebody I love and it's getting hits on TikTok. Yeah. So to me, I, I needed to let go of the idea that like, hey, YouTube is God. If anything, it got me to see that, hey, YouTube is is hard and oversaturated these days. Yes. And I was, and I'm okay with that. Specifically for music. Specifically yeah. for music, for sure. And and me being one of the OGs or whatever, you know, I remember being in like the top 30 musicians at that one point where the charts were happening. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to let that go in the last like five or six years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It took me a long time to be like, hey, I'm still me. I've made an impact. I'm going to still make my own music, release on Spotify, have people like that. But maybe YouTube, I got I got to look at the reality of what YouTube is right now. That's, it's it's kind of one of those hard pills to swallow for, <laughs> totally. a, for a lot of us, right? Because, you know, and I, this is, this is going to happen to anybody who gets into a creative space. If you pop off there, there's a game of trying to stay up on top, right? But there's also this, this trade-off of how much starts to eat away at your soul, because now you're not even looking at. Do what what what, you, what did you get into this for the first place, right? It's like, did I do this to create or did I do this just to be recognized, right? Yeah. yeah. And for for a lot of people now, when they create, they just want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such it's it's a gift and a curse at the same time, right? Because there's a lot of great stuff that happens when you are recognized for your quote unquote work. Sure. But at the same time, if that's what you base your art on, it's gonna be a struggle for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah, because you're always gonna be chasing. Exactly. And so when you don't, when it doesn't become 
the the amount of work that you put in with the recognition that you get isn't reciprocated, that's when it starts to eat away at you, yeah. right? So I see that a lot with a lot of these younger creators who their, their content gets more and more stupid because they're, they're trying to just hold on to this thing. Well, guess what? You're going to disappear one day. It just happens, right? Yeah. So you need to figure out like, okay, what am I doing this for? And I think for me, switching over to the podcast, people didn't really understand what I was doing, right? They, they, my, my, dropped like 400,000 or 500,000 subscribers after I switched to podcast form. Yeah. So, you also changed like the title of your Twitter and all that everything. stuff. Everything. Yeah. I did everything. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like one of those all in type of people, totally. <laughs> you know, whether it's a smart idea or not, I don't really think about that. So sure. I just go, this is what I want to do. And I always have to remind myself why I'm doing these things. Right. So if I'm doing stuff that makes me unhappy, then I, I might as well just work to nine to five yeah. at this point, steady, more steady money. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't have to worry about public perception, any of the shit. So if I'm going to create content just to make money, then I'm just going to go work a nine to five because at that point it doesn't fucking matter Yeah, because I, I'm just back to where I was when I was like 13, 14 years old, not knowing what the fuck I'm doing, just doing things that make me unhappy. Yeah. So I just have to do stuff that continually pushes me as an artist or that just makes me happy and puts a smile on my face. Totally. I think that comes with age, man. It really does. Because I feel like maybe even back then hearing that from like some of my older um, peers or whatever, you know, saying they're doing what makes them happy and stuff. I'm still looking on the iTunes charts being like, what's what's popping right now? You yeah. know, instead of like trying to do something that I truly loved. And I think we all... There's a balance. There's a balance. That's really what it is. And it's not just your own pressure that you're putting on there is a, a a big part of that which comes from the perception and the fans mm-hmm. you know what i mean and the, and the support you have like i felt for a long time that i owed my fans like new music every however long new videos people would ask for where's your collab with with tori kelly where's your collab with you know these big mm-hmm. people and stuff and it started eating at me man and i'm just like do people only value me because of Mm. these collaborations i have or because i'm giving them music all the time and never get to work on myself you know um so that really took a toll on me bro 2014 i took a hiatus me too i took that yeah i took a fat break for almost a year i was fat as fuck so i'll show this weight (laughs) you know i was like super literal fat yeah (laughs) fat break i I was fucking fat as fuck and i was just super unhappy you know and i think at that time, I had to figure out what was important. Yeah. You know, um, I just we just did Gook the film. It did super well Sundance. I got signed to to a, a top acting agency. All this stuff was going well, right? And I think what I was doing right now was I, I had this very terrible way of creating. And the what I mean by that is that I would create just in spite of people. So what I mean by that is I would do stuff because somebody thought I couldn't do it, right? I never thought about, do I yeah. actually want to do this? I created a film. You're just trying to prove people wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And I was I was kind of like relishing in the revenge part. I was like, <laughs> in your fucking face, <laughs> you know? So uh, acting agencies wouldn't sign me. They only wanted to sign me to digital. And I wanted to be in film. They didn't think I was a good enough actor. So I'm like, okay, well, let me make a film, bitch. Yeah, you uh-huh. know? And then a guy in the Sundance. Yep. And all those people that said no came knocking at my door. And I was like, cool. Well, well, what the fuck now, motherfucker? <laughs> you know, I got signed. Everything was great. And I was like, this is cool. You know, I'm, I'm I'm going to every single big agency meeting, casting director, whatever. And when I went to these meetings, I'm like, do I even want to do this? Yeah. You know, because my, my satisfaction was the fuck you, right? Well, after that, now what? So now what? And I was sitting there in my now what? And I didn't have an answer for it. I was like, oh, I, I made a film. And they're yeah. like, oh, what's your next film? I was like, I didn't even think about that. Right. I didn't think about doing the next film. I just thought about 
oh, I bet you I could, I'm a better actor than half And these. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I bet you I'm a better actor than half these fucking Asian people out here. Mm-hmm. I, I'll fucking show you. Yeah. And then I did it, right? Not to say I'm better than them, but just to sure, say that sure. I can be on your level yeah. if I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that train of thought is very, it's, it's poison. It's poison. Yeah, it's right? toxic. Exactly. Sure. You're, 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 try, you're feeding your art by hate and negativity. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I need to take a break. And I, I think I went up to like, I was like 278, almost 280 pounds. I didn't even know I was fat. I thought I was just fluffy, <laughs> you know? And there was these little signs I was getting really fat and out of shape. And I just didn't, I never I mean, you're a taller it. Asian dude, you know? So For sure, but like, once, once that 2XL, and I'm like, dude, these 2XLs, they make them European. They don't fit like they used to, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, oh shit, not David, you're fat. You know, like I had no idea. And so I took that about a year off where I would just make videos intermittently here and there. And my yeah. subscriber count went low. My views, I destroyed my fucking views. Um, but when I started coming back, I was like, okay, now what Now what do you actually want to do? And I went back into that bad cycle of, of doing the same shit. But when I found podcasting, I was like, this is something that I truly enjoy. Yeah. I can do this for a couple of hours. And if you notice, even with this podcast, I don't really invite people who are, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Because you're trying to. I'm like, trying to have a, shit. Yeah, like I'm trying to have a conversation with people that I actually care about and I want to know what you think, right? Yeah. So there have been other YouTubers who have a big name that are younger that are like, I want to be on your podcast. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to learn shit from you, dumbass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck do you have to say? Or what is your story that I want to learn about? The fuck out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Blessings to you that you're Blessings. doing well. Blessings, However, sir. I don't want to talk to you for a fucking hour about the pranks that you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, cool story. <laughs> you know, get the you. fuck out of my podcast. Yeah. And I feel like what's going to happen if they come here, I'm just going to make fun of them for an hour. I don't want, I don't <laughs> yeah, want to do that. Just get roasted. Yeah. So I don't want to do that. I mean, yeah, for sure. With all due respect to, to the younger people, but as I was kind of saying earlier, is like that realization and you being content and of course striving for more. Every And we can always learn more and we, we want to do things better and stuff. But that does come with age, man. I'm 31 now. And I feel like when I was 21, it was so different. Even though back then I knew what I was doing would hopefully make a difference. And I was like, hey, I'm, uh, I'm writing music from the heart. I'm proud to be Filipino. I want to represent for my people. You know what I mean? That still put a, an extreme amount of pressure on me. And it really wasn't until I was like 27, 28, when I'm looking at it from the outside and I'm like, hey, you can't overwork yourself just because of this perceived notion of what you should be. You know, it has to come from a real place if you want it to, to last. You know, yeah. and that's why I do feel like a lot of YouTubers and content creators and stuff, they end up burning out like in an unhealthy way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden uh, it's like a year later and you don't even know what the heck happened in the last year because you were so caught up in working. You yeah. know, I feel like, a, and that's like a big uh, Asian thing too, right? I feel like, you know, the the older Asians who own restaurants and stuff, they don't even take breaks. Oh, they don't? And they don't take vacation. They work on they work on Christmas. That's like a, a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And they don't get to enjoy the fruits of their labor, you yeah. know? But, I mean, it's balance, bro, like you said. Yeah, I mean, the the important thing, too, that I'm also, like, for example, you know, Chadwick Boseman just passed away, yeah. right? And, and it sucks in the sense of him passing away only. It, it's good for me in the sense that it reminded me of something, right? Which is my body of work matters, right? Not so much the view count or whatever else. It's 
the body of work that I create that's going to last really does matter at this point. Because I can look at Chadwick Boseman at the age of 43. He's passed really young, but the amount of work that he's done and the, and the quality of work quality. that he's done speaks so much, totally. right? And you can compare that to somebody uh, uh, like a younger YouTuber, I don't know, like fucking uh, uh, Logan Paul, right? Somebody looks back at what he does, fuck cares, you know? I mean, great, you're rich, you're balling, whatever, sure. whatnot, right? But if he if he died tomorrow, he wouldn't shed a fucking tear, you know? I'd be like, oh, this sucks, the dude died. He was one of those guys that did splits in the middle of the street and did pranks and, you know, dumb shit. Yeah, and was really disrespected like, Japanese people Yeah, it's like, cool, that's what you're known for, right? And this is not coming from a hater point of view. I'm only talking sure. about the, the body of work that you have. And his passing away only reaffirmed why I don't do certain things, right? Why I don't do daily vlogging. Yeah. I don't do all this stuff. This is the, that would be for monetary gain. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when I look back and I'm like, Oh, what are you known for? I was like, Oh, I did. I vlogged every day. Yeah. It doesn't make me feel good. Not to knock on people who do it. Of course. But for me, it doesn't satisfy that part. Yeah. Right? He said no to a lot of things as well. Yeah. And, and went into the uh, writer's room to be like, Hey, this character is not written, yeah. you know, in, in a way that I would like to portray or be remembered by. And I think that, you know, his passing away reminds me of of legacy moves, I like to call, where I'm thinking about, yeah. now I'm not thinking about just like what's going to make me, you know, money for the next month or whatever. Yeah, I want I want to think of stuff that, um, like my future family or uh, and my and my legacy and, and the people who come after me that I want to take care of them, you know, what, that could be like real estate for somebody or like investing. Yeah, you know? something. Yeah, something like that where you're not thinking of, you know, the immediate. But I mean, Chadwick, he he made a lot of legacy moves, you know, and even if he if he didn't die and he retired at that point, he could obviously still look back. Like at nobody his, can take anything away from him. They, yeah, they, re know? they really can't, man. And I feel you. That was definitely a reminder of like, you know, you want to do the things to the best of your ability. And all the interviews that I've been watching is that like he put a hundred percent into everything. He tried to do all of his stunts and all these that's things. That's crazy. Because that's not what that would not have and been. And learn how to dance in the James Brown movie, like <laughs> like James Brown. Like that's freaking crazy, dude. I would have hired some other chubby Asian actor to do all that <laughs> shit. It's like you gotta you jump into the fire. Please bro. be my double. I'm over here having a Capri Sun and half a sandwich, <laughs> just watching him go into the flame. You fucking nuts. <laughs> There's people like him that I watch, and I remember just the moment that he passed away, we were actually in this podcast. Oh, wow. And then I was like, oh, shit. Uh, my buddy Khalif texted me that it happened. I thought, I was like, oh, fuck Khalif, it around. Because yeah. he always fucks around. Yeah. And he goes, no, Chadwick Boseman passed away. And I was like, oh, my God. And I just, you know, we, you start reading all the stuff about him that I didn't really look up before, but I always appreciated him. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like when Paul Walker died, right? And people, you could try to find dirt about Paul Walker and you couldn't find shit. Yeah. This guy was going, uh, volunteering at the Red Cross. I know, man. <laughs> like the nicest guy ever. Like it, it was insane. And I kind of looked at myself. I'm like, oh, man, you're a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> the fuck? You don't do anything. Like you literally do nothing, you know? Nah, man. And I felt, I felt a little like, okay, I got to... I, I need to reevaluate what the fuck I'm doing real quick because it, it, made, me, it made me feel bad in a good way. Like, okay, I, I have more to offer. I can do more. And I think those those people are great examples that I really like to follow. It's just that nice, it's that affirmation of, okay, just do what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. Don't, you don't, if he did it and that's what he was doing, then maybe I'm going in the, the right direction, you know? Yeah. No, I feel, I mean, you know, you, to bring all that stuff up that, that you're doing, I feel like, you know, I saw you kind of stand up for, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement um, in that rant against that one model chick who 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like what the hell was that? But you know, you speaking up about that stuff. I mean, that's that's what we can do as human beings on addition to what we do in our art. You know what I mean? And I think that you know, if we, if we end up dying tomorrow, you know, I feel like we could be proud of what we've done. For sure. And it's funny cuz even with that stuff like um cuz I hate doing rants now cuz it ruins my whole day. <laughs> you know, because I have to get into this. Because you're real. I'm actually, you're being you real, know? bro. And people, you know, I remember a couple of buddies of mine, and I mentioned this before, they go, oh, how long did that take you to write? I'm like, bitch, I didn't fucking write that shit. <laughs> I was like, there was no cuts. <laughs> I was like, it was just me. I was angry. It does feel somewhat that you know where you're going when I watch these rants, mm. and you probably do in your, in your mind, but yeah. there's not a lot of ums. It's very straight to the point you know what i mean so i i feel them asking you like hey, did you write this thing? <laughs> i was like fuck i wish i and, I, it's, and if i try to recreate it i can't because now the anger has passed sure so i remember there was a video that came out and people were like oh just do it like it'd be great for the community i'm like i'm not angry like i can't even write it yeah you know it's more like i understand your irritation like i'm irritated sure. too but it came off so disingenuous when i was trying to speak about it i'm yeah. like I can't put this shit up. Like, it's not there. Like, I can't do it yeah. just for the fucking views. And I didn't even realize how well those videos were doing. I just kept putting up after, one after another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I had yeah. some shit. This, I had to get it off my chest. Shit to say. And yeah. then next thing you know, people were texting me. It's like, yo, that shit a million views. It's like half a million views. <laughs> yeah, like, like for, blew up. I was like, for what? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I was like, it, yeah. it, you're being a voice for people who don't necessarily speak up all the time. Yeah. You know, especially like our, our uh, the Asian stereotype of like, being just a quiet, you know, standby person, but yeah. you know, you're you're very different in that way. But you also relate to to those guys who probably are like you, who don't have the platform that you have. You know what I mean? But hey, dude, I I'm with you. When I was uh, watching all those rants, I'm like, I feel the same way. I wish that I have that. I wish that I had cursed early in my YouTube career, <laughs> so people would accept it. But people know me for like Disney covers and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I'm. That's one of the moves that I was very very happy with because um, I didn't have to change. You know, yeah. this is who I am on screen and off screen was is relatively the same. Obviously, I'm not as intense. You know, obviously because that's for comedic purposes. They have a lot of jump sure, cuts sure. or whatever. Yeah, but, you're not doing that like to your family all the time. They'd yeah. probably be Who like, the fuck's my we're, food? You're <laughs> tired of you, bro. Yeah. You-, <laughs> you know, but um, it, it, it was kind of the, the refreshing thing. And I heard from another YouTuber friend where he was talking about where he was kind of envious of, I guess, I mean, he didn't say this, right? But in my mind, it's like, <laughs> he's envious that I was a piece of shit from the beginning, <laughs> you know? Because now if I if I voice something, it's it's congruous to who I am as a person. So right. it does, it's not at a left field. So even sometimes when I have like people interactions, I meet fans, right? And some fan comes up, he makes a joke. I'm like, that's the worst fucking joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me, right? And they understand that because it's me, they don't take it too personally. Right. And they understand like, oh, David's joking. It doesn't come out of left field. Right. Because if you did that, that would crush their <laughs> fucking spirit. They would die. They would write a song about you and then die the next day. <laughs> Could you imagine that shit? Like AJ yeah. Raphael just told me to go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very careful too with how I um, communicate, even to friends if they piss me off or whatever. Or, yeah, if fans are being a little too extra, like, you know, when they come up and I, my, I'm eating with my mom at Disneyland or something, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, can we do it after the meal? But they'll still kind of even take that personal. Also, two people have to realize sometimes we don't have the best days either. And I know it's my responsibility because. Um, if I have a bad day, I shouldn't express that on you. But most of the time, I'm not in a bad mood. Like 99% of the time, I'm always smiling. Same. So yeah. if that one time I'm having a bad day, and I say like, hey, man, like I'm kind of like not feeling good. Yeah. Um, you might if we just not take a picture. Yeah. And then you go off and then you fucking start telling people I'm a dick. 
all right, dude, I'm going to break your fucking kneecaps now. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, we were talking about this earlier uh, off the podcast where it's like, you know, people can, they, they have this entitlement where they feel like they can kind of say anything, especially behind a keyboard. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I mean, half of the things they wouldn't say that to our face. You yeah. know, you're like, hey, dude, I'm actually being respectful to you to say no. And uh, I've, I've had a similar experience as well with, with the whole Twitter thing and someone saying I, I was a dick because I asked, I asked them to get um, me McDonald's. But I was so nice about it, bro. I remember asking, and this is at a college show yeah. because I couldn't eat what they had there because I have an allergy to dairy. I'm like, hey, man, is it cool if you just y'all just end up going to McDonald's and getting some chicken nuggets or something? And then um, I get a tweet like a year later saying, um, I have the worst intern story about AJ Raphael. And I got like my girlfriend to to like make an account to ask mm -hmm. what it was. And they ended up tweeting this whole thing. He made me get McDonald's and shit. And like, I remember it clearly like being very like considerate of, of y'all going out of your way to get McDonald's. Plus I offered to pay. I always offered to pay. So it's not like I was trying to get them to do it, but they can easily spin the story. And granted, they might actually feel disrespected in a way just because they're being put in a different in a situation where like they've never been in before yeah so like they it's hard for them to put themselves in in your shoes or yeah. in my shoes because you know at the end of the day i think when people fly fly me out to do shows i'm always in service i'm like okay cool you guys want to spend time with me so I'm going to make it as fun as possible for you. Yeah. I still go drink with these motherfucking Yeah, kids, same, dude. man. I'm I'll like, go to the after party. I was like, let's do this. And they're like, you're going to come. I was like, I'll do it. I'll be there for 30 minutes. Same. We'll drink real fast. Yeah. And then I'll Uber right back. But I'm here for you real quick. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, I appreciate it too. Because it's, it's it's one of those things where I, I do understand that if if they do want to see me, they, they do have a certain expectation. And I'm trying to always go above and beyond in yeah. that kind of sense. I feel you. Even if I am having a bad weekend or anything like that. I'll suck it up as much as I can, obviously, mm -hmm. for sure, to do that because, you know, it is work. And part of our work is that we are, we show our personality and, um, you know, you share a lot about what your personality is and, and, and about what your life is. Same, same with me, you know, I don't just do music, you know, I'm, I'm, I very like to much like to live stream and talk to the people and stuff. So people do expect me to kind of be the way I am mm -hmm. online in real life and, um, I think maybe 99% of the time, as you're saying, I am that way. But that 1%, if someone catches me off guard or if I am, in fact, having something that is bothering me that day. What's your, what's your next move now? Are you working on another album? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'd say that. And for me, I, I'm not like the the typical writer where I'm like, I feel inspired to write if... Um, something personal didn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I love it. I'm like so happy in my own personal life right now with my girlfriend. And, you know, we're about to be together for four years and, yeah. and all this stuff. I know it's, it's kind of crazy um, how long it's been, but I feel like I, I have written and have been known to write about like heartbreak and stuff, you know? So it's almost easier for me to write those songs. So I haven't written really about that recently so it's hard to say when new music is coming out, but I'd say that's always going to be a big part of like what I do for sure. Even if I have been make like spending most of my time making like TikTok videos or, mm -hmm. or doing other things. Um, new music is always the hope for me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are you making new music? I'm trying. I, I think this 
in the next couple of months, I'm going to just be in the studio and try. That's to good, man. It's going to be hard. It's going to, because I'm not in that mind state, you know, like yeah. writing is so fucking difficult. Cause for me, it's always, yo, this first verse is dope. And then it fucking, the, the second verse is the tra- trash verse. <laughs> I fucking hate the second verse. Yeah. Writing is, I mean, imagine people who still do third verses right now. We just go straight into like a double chorus. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that, dude. <laughs> There's some shit that I had that we, we used to, that me and my buddy Z, like we wrote out, like, this is tight. Well, what about the second verse? I'm like, you write it. He goes, you write it. I'm like, no, you write it, dude. Like, I don't want to write this shit. This is fucking hard. And it puts so much effort into the first and it's hard to carry that story on to the second one. Yeah. And um, I guess I like keep it, it moving forward. Yeah. It's just yeah. fucking hard, know, man. No, man. Music is hard, bro. I feel like. You know, I envy the songwriters and the musicians who are able to be in a studio every single day mm-hmm. and bang out songs. And I mean, because it's really also like it's a numbers thing. Like if you write 100 songs, there's going to be at least 20 of them that are pretty good yeah. enough to put on an album. You know, it's just like I don't have the patience sometimes. And like I'll become like brain, like brain freezing about like where I am in the song. And as you said, the second verse and stuff to even like pull them out like that. It's so that's sometimes I just want to be like fucking, I don't know, Frank Ocean or James Fauntleroy and just say bullshit, just say random words and they just start rhyming random words and it sounds so dope. I'm like, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I mean, some of them have really good teams, that's why they're yeah. able to just do that, you know. And then the the music around it is dope, you know what I mean? I, lo- I love having control over everything, which is why I may be too much of a perfectionist and mm-hmm. stuff, but. Yeah, that's the dream, bro. Like you're just sitting there, you get called to go in the studio and you're just saying random syllables. Da, 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 da. You say random words and it becomes a whole freaking song. And then you're done. And you're done. You didn't even do anything to like do another vocal take. They've like manipulated it in a different way and placed it in different places. And now you have a whole track yeah. that you didn't even weren't even a part of. That's fucking nuts, man. Music was one of those things I didn't realize how difficult it was, right? Yeah. I think it's always just because I was just that dude that would just sing random shit, but I didn't. I didn't understand music. And even till this day, it's hard for me to understand music. I mean, you went to you went to Berkeley Musical College, right? So your understanding of music is so much more in depth. You understand what places, what why it's there and everything sure. else. And that was the knowledge I never had. And I wish I did. But it was at that point, it was either I'm gonna do stand-up or I'm gonna do music. And music was just so hard. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I don't understand shit. Right. Cause when I was in choir, I was just told what to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't in the the conductor chair. I was the musical piece that people just told me to sing what. Right, right, right. And that's all I and did. And you sing it over and over and then it sounds good. Like exactly. you're next to people who are singing your same part mm-hmm. and stuff. But I don't know how we got to what we got. <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I, was, I just did what I was told. And I yeah, think yeah. that's the biggest difference from people who make music and who just people who just sing sure. is if you ask me to compose something <laughs> good luck that's somebody else i just got to do <laughs> what i'm told somebody else yeah somebody else do that shit <laughs> and they just tell me how to sing it even with z like z he vocally produces all the stuff so he'll tell me how to sing it sometimes yeah. and i'm like i'm like this doesn't sound right he goes okay we'll try this try that because i don't i don't have that yeah. ear yet it's i mean so- that's awesome about music it can really go a hundred different ways and, and if um my next step if it's not music like my own music um i've been music directing like different theater productions of course pre-covid and stuff like Mm -hmm. that um and working a lot in the theater space as well and and people have been calling me for like musical projects which is cool it's awesome oversee or put together or write parts for and stuff and and that stuff's all new to me too because i've always i've always like known even just myself for doing my own singer songwriter thing and not to ever be called to like to be one of the people that are outsourcing something for like their project or, yeah. 
you know, things like that. So that's something that's that's been new to me. And especially during quarantine, I get to sit down. I bought a new desk specifically that you could put a piano under, you know. Awesome. Like, just like investing in your own space. I mean, dude, this is fucking beautiful, man. Like you don't have to move shit in here. Yeah, like, it just it is what it is. It is what it is. The lights are there. That camera was set up already when I got in here and you mm-hmm. didn't have to do all that stuff. Dude, all that stuff helps with any any industry, anything that you're working on. If you have, if you walk into your room and everything's there, you're going to be 200% more productive. Yeah, dude. And it's cool because YouTube really was that onset of the artists have learning how to do everything, right? Yeah. You had to be your own engineer. You yeah. had to learn how to mix and master your own shit. Yeah. And people like you who could do that definitely had a leg up against everybody else. Sure. Especially somebody like me. If I record something, I'm fucked. I'm like, <laughs> I need three other people now. It's like, let me go ahead and send this off to somebody right, else because sure, I don't sure. know what the fuck to do. And even, this is the biggest lesson I learned. You can't just fucking sing into a mic when you're recording. It's not just like that. Yeah. There's a lot of breath control. There's, There's a lot more. How you sing into a mic when you record is different how you're going to do it live. And I didn't fucking know. Yeah. And so when I when I first Yeah, tried, what was your first live show like after recording a track? Oh, that shit was hard, dude. <laughs> it was, it was... Uh, you know, I actually, I want to say this. That was actually better because I learned how to control specifically mic placement. You know, that was something that I never really thought about too much. I think when you do like some of these acoustic shows, you don't really think too much. You just play whatever and then you're kind of good to go. But this recording in a studio helped me realize how off key I was mm. by s- just small shit. S- yeah, a s- couple cents. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, this sounds a little off. What the fuck is that? Or I would do a run and I'm like, there's a note that's off in that run that I've been doing for years. You know, and then when you play it back, I'm like, who the fuck's trashy ass <laughs> voice is this? Who is this? You know, they're like, that's your voice. I'm like, no, we'll, we'll melody. I said, no, we're not going to melodyne it. Let me, let me, let me try to redo yeah, this yeah, again. Yeah. And then it would be off of my, just melodyne it, dude. <laughs> Wait, do you still have it open? Yeah. Can you, <laughs> just, can you just, just tweak it just a little hey, bit? Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. I'm, I'm, I'll melodyne my stuff all the way, but I will. You're so right about getting that right vocal take, mm-hmm. you know, the breath coming in. And especially if you have to redo something. And to do it exactly the same way. And when when the producer asks for, or the engineer asks for like a double, you have to sing it exactly. Yeah, have that. Like, I'd rather have somebody else do that too. I feel you. But there's a lot more to just recording. And I think people don't realize that until they get into an actual studio. Oh, it's 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 so, that double take. (laughs) Yeah, for the left and the right. Yeah. And R&B too is so fucking annoying, specifically if you're trying to stack your vocals, right? Especially if you have to stack a run. That shit is damn near fucking impossible, right? Yeah. So like, you're like, wait, can I listen again? Yeah. (laughs) Or I would, I would try to record these covers of songs I've I've sang my whole fucking life, right? And I sang it wrong, (laughs) and I didn't know. I was like, oh, that's not the note. I had no fucking idea. And I would try to record it. Oh, this is the most annoying thing that I found out. Was if you put the mic away from me, perfect. When you put the mic on me, it's all off. It's something about the mic being in front of me. You I think it's a mental thing? It's a mental yeah, thing for all sure. Day. Oh, what the fuck, man? Come on, man. For sure. There's so many takes where you just hear me cursing up a fucking storm. <laughs> fucking Yeah, they could ass. use that for like a, a soundboard, bro. <laughs> I feel you, man. It's 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 an art form in itself. Being in a recording artist, being a recording artist. That's why, you know, when people um introduce me at shows or whatever, I don't mind if people say you know, I'm uh, a YouTuber slash singer-songwriter or YouTube musician and stuff mm-hmm. because I know that, you know, also being a recording artist, which now I consider myself a recording artist, but but back then it's like, that's such a different world. Yeah. Being in the studio all the time, singing perfectly, being called to do 
vocal sessions for yeah. not your own song you know that's a whole nother world where i'm like whoa that's kind of crazy yeah that's a job job have you ever thought about um developing somebody else as an artist i think just because you have like the wherewithal the knowledge and everything yeah. else that other that some artists just don't have but they have like the talent for it sure i feel like i feel like i've naturally done that with a couple of friends of mine who you know i would invite over for videos and stuff i end up helping them with their music so not necessarily like uh like a very specific mentorship. I'm not like, hey, I want to be your mentor. I think naturally, that's just kind of how I am. Even with people in my community, you know, I, I, I've played church and I still play church every Sunday that I can um, at a specific church in my hometown, you know, mm -hmm. had a lot of people. There's, there's this 13-year-old uh, kid now who I think just naturally, him always wanting to be around the piano and stuff and me accompanying. Now my mom calls him if I can't make it play oh, wow. piano because she's the she's a choir uh, director as well um so instead of calling me to drive all the way out from la she can count on this dude because i was kind of helping uh him learn some things mm. over the years but not specific I, he never paid me for lessons or anything so i do feel like that is part of my calling like being a mentor to somebody taking somebody under my wing um so i would definitely consider it but it's almost just like a natural thing i'd love just like sharing what i have but also what we know, especially if, if we're uh, talking about social media specifically, could like change tomorrow. True. You know what I mean? So yeah. like everything we say about consistency, quality, algorithms, shit like that, you know, could really change. So, um, but I do, you know, you, you say, you asking me that now um, reminds me that the knowledge that we have, the knowledge that I have is, is worth something for sure and is of value. I think just specifically in what you do with music, right, is a skill set that a lot of these young people just don't care to develop and they just don't know how, yeah. right? Because you went through, you went through, you, you actually, you're actually very unique because you have traditional and very untraditional shit, mm -hmm. right? Like you went to <laughs> Berkeley Music School of College, yeah, which yeah. by the way, if you guys don't know, it's fucking damn near impossible to get to. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Some people though are like, I'm like, did you have money? You had a lot of money. Get <laughs> You're like, you but I, yeah, it's audition based. You yeah, know? you can't hide around it. Exactly. So it's, you you definitely have a skill set that other people don't have, right? And that's where it comes to these people, kids who do covers, where they'll just get a track and their their voice is amazing, but they don't know how music works. They don't know how to write a song. They don't understand how important like a chorus is, how important a bridge yeah. is, right? And I'll see it a lot. It's like if somebody could just teach you how music works, you yeah. would have a better grasp of this. A better grasp, and it'll be more long-lasting, I think. Yeah. And then you won't have a ton of people taking advantage of you or making money off your shit. You know what I mean? I think that's been one of the main things. And I have not maybe grown in the pace that people expect me to or what I wanted to in the beginning, but I've always done things in a way where, like, if I said no to somebody trying to manage me or somebody trying to get me to do a deal and stuff, like, if I'm, like, if I can learn how to do that or if I already know how it works, you know, I don't want to get taken advantage of and I want to make my own legacy moves, you know, and control everything I do. You know who I always thought that you could really help develop? Um, sexy little cute bastard, Joseph Vincent. <laughs> I think, I feel like Joseph Vincent is the one, is that artist that has those pieces that are just right. Yeah. But his understanding of music isn't there. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah, Joseph's a friend. I love him. We just did a collaboration only two years ago, actually. Yeah. It was our first real one. And he's played a lot of the shows that I've played. Yeah. And 
Um, nicest, cutest, nicest, bastard I've ever cutest been in my life. guy ever. And I will never knock on what he does right now because it's working and he's getting a lot of, a lot of plays and stuff. But I do, I, I would want to challenge him to think more outside the box and, and challenge himself musically because the, the ballad stuff that he's doing and the pop covers that he makes into an acoustic cover, it, it does work, but it doesn't necessarily, and I mean this in the most respectful way, Joseph, I don't necessarily feel like it challenges even the listener to want something more. I don't know. No, hundred percent. You know I, I think he understands his pocket very well. Right. Right. And those acoustic covers will always do well. It's, it's just, is what it is, you know, you know, but he definitely has this untapped talent that totally it's, it's there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He has the package. The tone of his voice is so nice. Yeah. You know, he just has to learn how to number one. I think because his original music isn't there because he doesn't understand music. You know what I mean? And it's easy just to take somebody else's song and just lay over your voice over it. What's the next step for you? Like, I want, I, I feel like there's so much more that he could do. And I feel like with your knowledge, you'd be able to compose just him as an artist so much better. Like I, there's like those, those little pieces that I see. Yeah. I've never really dove deep into, you know, his own understanding of, of music. And I, I don't know what that is. I definitely feel you that he knows. I, we at least know he knows his niche and knows yeah. what works and stuff. So, I mean, I'm, I'd be glad to, to work with, with him or someone like that, who, you know, has this like kind of uptap, untapped potential to be more than just what they are and more than what is like, uh, at the end of the day, making them money. Yeah. And I can't, I'm, I'll never knock him because like, I don't know if that's making him hundred percent happy. It, it might be, he's, you know, he's, he has a wife and they're yeah. living in. Marina I'm pretty sure said, I always just look at people who I, who I really enjoy. And I'm always like, man, I could see somebody doing more. That's just my personal want. I'm with you, bro. <laughs> you know? I want that for, for him. I want that for my boy, just uh, Jason Chen yeah. all day. Like let's, let's do, let's do more things. You know, <laughs> I had Jason on this podcast. No, it's the funniest fucking thing. When we're talking about his music, he goes, I don't know if I even like music. <laughs> fucking Jason, dude. I'm talking you about Fucking that. son of a bitch. This guy's so funny, man. Jason's one of those guys, too, where this is this is how I label Jason, right? Jason has probably he's one of those people that I've met that has probably one of the best controls over his voice ever. If you look at his vocal track when he records, there's not a single peak in it, right? So yeah. his breath very control, consistent. Very consistent, right? His his biggest fallacy in his is like. How he works his business is how he works his music, right? So when I when I listen to him, I talk to him about this too. It's like, motherfucker, do you have a soul inside you? <laughs> do you think, like, is there a beating heart? Like, you have you have the most technically sound voice I've ever heard. Have you cried, you son of a bitch? Cry into your music. I'll I'll bring this story up because and and Jason knows this too because we were in a van together. We're in Toronto doing this charity game. They asked. I'm performing at the concert. And uh, Jason also was performing, but I got a band to do, to come through. And these are just fans mm-hmm. who um, they're like, hey, I know you went to Berkeley. I know the chord changes, but, you know, they're communicating to me like musicians. So I trust them. Mm-hmm. We didn't even rehearse. Yeah. They come up, we do the show, no rehearsal. They're doing like five, six of my songs. It's amazing. We That's get dope. Simu to come up. Jason, we're singing Disney stuff like Bruno Mars and my originals. But, uh, and after that, uh, in the van, he's like, how did you get people to play with you? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, did you pay them? Because 
uh, I'll be real, like none of us got paid to do that charity basketball game. We got yeah. flown out, mm-hmm. um, which is totally fine. I love the community thing, but I didn't get paid to perform that night. Um, and I, I wanted to offer that up. So I didn't have a budget to pay yeah. the musicians and they were down, man. They were so excited. Like That's awesome. I put it out. I was like, Hey, anyone want to play with me tonight? There was like four or five submissions of each part, you know, the guitar, yeah. bass, uh, drums and stuff. So one of the things I was thinking, I didn't say this then is that I think that people might connect to me more as a human and maybe especially because of my original music and not that Jason's stuff is not relatable, but I think there is a certain part of him. And as you were saying, you're saying like, Hey, have you cried? Yeah. Have you, do you have a soul? You know, I think the way that you show your emotion in anything you do, whether it's art, singing, dancing or whatever, the more heart you show, then the more humanized you become to the audience and they feel like, they know you. People and they will relate. connect to your music. You, I mean, even till this so day, true. people still talk about your Red Roses thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was in 2011. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. And those are the songs that they really hold on to. They're like, this was the soundtrack of my life. Yeah. So this day I hear, I see that comment. Like I'm, my TikTok viewers are growing up and they're like, I didn't know you had a TikTok, but I listened to you in middle school. You helped me through a breakup, blah, blah, blah. And I'll, you know, I can make fun of it and poke fun of it at it. But at the end of the day, it meant something to them in a part of their life that they still remember. Yeah. They still listen to it till this day because of how your music and that Red Roses for kids like that are like what Boys to Men did for me when I broke, when I got a breakup. (laughs) Sure. So you're their Boys to Men. Yeah. You know, you're their all for one. That's that's who you are to them. And and Jason has one of those hits, you know, that best friend uh, song that he did with Kathy New You know, people like relate to that stuff i'm like jason if you had more of those i think that it would be a no-brainer people people would be like i want to play for jason chen i'll play for it i'll play uh with him for free for this show yeah. you know and and I'll, I'll i'll do the drums and and all this stuff and that's what i was thinking in the van yeah. i didn't have the heart to say it to <laughs> him but we, we've gotten to know each other since then um and more and, and we talk about music and you're right he does look at music as a business because you know he was an accountant before mm-hmm. you know and he his move to music was calculated yeah. and very like he asked people, should I quit my job to do music? Yeah. You know? Um, but I, you know, I respect everything that he does, but he's I, the I most did. consistent. You, he has never missed a fucking video a day in his fucking life. <laughs> I, I don't even know how you, you <laughs> through robot. the pandemic and everything, yeah. bro. He just kept it going. And he had similar to this, a setup that people are familiar with mm-hmm. seeing. They know the music never sleeps sign. It's in the back all the time. I hit king of consistency. It was right so now. shocking for me when he he would ask me to do covers, right? I'm like, I don't care, you know, whatever, right? And I'm not really covers. I never at that time. I just never cared to put any effort into it, right? Because it's not my music. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever, we'll just do it, right? I remember we were recording, right? He goes, Hey, can you do the run for me? And then I'm just gonna copy your run. And I was like, <laughs> You're the musician. <laughs> I'm the comedian. You lay the run, all right? And then I. Co- so I was doing his vocals. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Right? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. But I think he, because I, th- I think he appreciates music in the sense of he appreciates like R&B music, right? Yeah. But R&B is so hard. It's even hard for me because something you really have to grow up with because it's very complicated. Like a, if you guys don't, a run is just a scale, you know, depending on what you're doing, right? It's a, whatever, a jazz scale or whatever, a blue scale. Yeah. And you just, you have to imitate it with your voice and it's fucking difficult, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? But it, you're right. It takes... Um, you know, if you know that Boys to Men 2 album, and if you're singing all the ad libs and not just the chorus and stuff, you know that you like grew up listening to that song mm-hmm. multiple, multiple times. So I think there is something to say about somebody who grew up uh 
you know, listening to all those ad libs all the time and be like, hey, can you just come up with something real quick so then I can do it? And, yeah. you know, some people may have the skill to do something, but to have that creativity, you're right, comes with uh, either growing up with something or knowing something like the back of your hand so much that you're able to borrow little pieces. And that's what music is, right? It's not, nothing's ever completely original. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you take bits and pieces of things that you like and you fuse it and that's how you make your own original music and make it unique yeah his his just listening to what he does in studio i mean he just he's like a one-take wonder it's kind oh, of totally it's so, it's so obnoxious like i'm like you son of a bitch yeah. like you have such he has such good control of his shit yeah like he'll do it once and he's like i'm good i'm like yeah that was good <laughs> he knows his equipment too i think i mean there's a lot to what goes on behind jason chen's videos i think that maybe people don't don't realize and it's an investment in your equipment mm -hmm. but it's also how much how many times he's done a cover it's also the pressure that he does not put on himself to get everything like perfect yeah perfect you know there's stuff that you can do in post but also he realizes that there's not a ton of weight on one cover yeah, he, yeah. probably because he's had little mini uh not not even mini but probably um videos that he did not expect to like reach 100k to million k or mm -hmm. whatever that you can't put all the pressure on one freaking song yeah, yeah. you know what i mean you got to be able to just like let it go that's why you know as much as i love having a background of, of going to a music school and also a background of classical there has to be a part of you that that surrenders that and you're able to do a take maybe three four takes max yeah. and say i'm done because i could be here all night to do a hundred takes yeah. until it's perfect in my head. Yeah. You know, so I think Jason has a really good grasp of that. Yeah. He's 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 definitely a little talented fuck. You know, I always make fun of him all the time. I started getting him to do kickboxing and shit and just love punching him in the face. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I he's he's down to do whatever, bro. Yeah. You know? He he's like, like I said, one of the most hardest working dudes. And I'm very envious of like how he, his control. Cause that's like the 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 other thing that a lot of people have have trouble with. Um because, like I said, performing live and then recording in the studio are two different things. Yeah. And so sometimes when people belt, they don't hold back and they fucking peak like a motherfucker. Yeah. Like, oh, shit hurts my ear. No, I feel you, that, man. That, there's so much nuance to being a really good singer. Mm -hmm. So when I hear, like, these great vocalists that come out, it makes me so happy. Yeah. You have no idea how many times I listen to, like, Jasmine Sullivan sing live. How many times you hear, like, Adele or... um fucking um oh my god i'm running a blank on her fucking jesse j yeah you oh, know come on <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like how do you do that yeah. or tori dude what the fuck i didn't even know who tori was i met her real quick at a wong fu soccer thing right didn't know who the oh yeah yeah the, the charity one i had no idea who the fuck she was her dad was on my team <laughs> yeah i was there and then i couldn't i hurt myself so i busted my knee but i was i was like oh I, I saw her, right? Yeah. And I didn't know who she was. And then one day I was just watching these YouTube videos. I was like, yo, this girl's fucking dope. Yeah. I think, I forgot who told me, like, you met her. I was like, I didn't fucking meet her. I was like, if I met her, I would have fucking cried. I was like, this girl, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I would have teared up. This woman's voice, vocal, her control is amazing. Yeah. And so I was just listening to her. I was like, no, you met her. And then there was like the soccer thing. And there's like this little glimpse of me next to her. I'm yeah. like, I met this woman. Are, am I fucking nuts? I had no idea <laughs> yeah, who yeah. she was. Like, you wish you would have said more, like, yeah. to appreciate. I could listen to her sing all fucking day. And by the way, fuck you, Simon Cowell. How dare you? Yeah, that How was trash. dare you? But so good for her career. Thank God. <laughs> no. You know. I was shocked that Simon Cowell did not like her voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? Same season as our boy Andrew Garcia, which is why I met Tori in the first place is because Andrew, obviously, we've been doing YouTube videos forever. And um, he goes, 
hey man, this girl Tori, uh, she auditioned, she didn't make it past Hollywood or whatever, um, but you should have her come over and let's do a cover. The first day we met, it was me, Andrew, and Tori. We did a like a B.O.B. medley, mm. you know, Bruno Mars and Paramore and stuff. Um, and that was the first day we met. And that was 10 years ago this year uh, Damn. in May. Yeah. So, I mean, that that is an, an anomaly, like, you know, one in a million type thing is like she had been training and she was signed to a record label when she was like 12 or 13. You Jesus. Know? So she had been, she's like a veteran, even though she was young at the time. She was like 15, 16 when we met her and stuff. But, you know, we were still able to show her what the YouTube world was like. Um, what the Asian American community was like. Like she didn't know what boba was. We took her wow, to UCR to Boba hilarious. Cafe. Oh, Boba so, Cafe. Yeah, you know the only boba spot. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Like Lolly Cup didn't exist back then. Yeah. You know, it was literally just Boba Cafe. That's the only spot. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like, it doesn't compare to like Arcadia yeah. or anything like that, but that was the spot. So every time, we just took her there the first time we met. Boba Cafe. So every funny. time she came over to do a cover, she'd always expect us to go uh, all the way out to Boba Cafe. You know, so it was cool kind of showing her the ropes in that early time. And then obviously a couple of years later, she's on the radio. She's killing it. But that's one person who is just as good, if not better, live than she is in the studio. Oh, man, dude, whenever she drops anything, I, her gospel album oh, was the best. amazing. The best. I love all those songs, bro. Ridiculous, I love man. Those songs. Blue me away yeah. i was i because i slept on it for so long i i i, I got i don't want to say jade i just stopped listening to new music for a while yeah and then i was like oh what what does tori kelly release i was like she did a gospel album yeah i, I got two grammys for it i started spinning that shit non-stop yeah. man that shit got me going back to church again i was like oh <laughs> god damn it's like church when you listen to it yeah you know? i mean so and kirk franklin obviously a legend in oh. the gospel world he he doesn't do many features or he doesn't feature on other people's artists as much one of those things it's it's uh, one of the opposite um but tori was someone different that he recognized obviously it was someone that he he was down to be associated with and to obviously have a whole album be collaborated on you know i would i, I would just be in the car trying to imitate her run and i couldn't do it i'm like, <laughs> it's like this is so That's fucking hard impossible yeah i was like sometimes i missed like 13 notes i'm like Most okay time. It's so fucking hard. I wonder if she listened to a lot of Brandy because her voice, her runs. Oh, totally, yeah. Okay, because it reminds me of Brandy's runs a lot. Yeah. And Brandy is my favorite female vocalist of all time. Oh my God, classics. I was like, oh, that's why I really started liking Tori. I was like, she reminds me of a refreshed version of Brandy. Right, right, right. A little more current. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, this this is the one. Many influences, obviously, but, you know, gospel's a main one. Brandy's a big one. But I already knew she was, you know, different from the moment we were doing YouTube videos and stuff together that, like, Hey, one day she is going to be really famous. Probably forget about me. And that, you know, that's insecure me talking back in the day. Yeah. You know, we're obviously still really close this day, but that when she was coming up, to be honest, um, a little bit of like the comparison game and, and you kind of wanting to Mm. be at that level that affected me mentally. And that, that was kind of part of why I, I took a hiatus. Uh, in 2014, I don't really say that often. I don't even know if I've I've said said that out loud, really. But when you're comp- comparing yourself, especially to a friend who's like blowing up, you know that that can get to you if you're if you're mm. unable to get out of that that hole. You know, everyone offers. I really believe this, and and we're talking about getting out of the box musically. But even if you don't, you still have your own uh, voice and and something to offer somebody. Yeah. you know what I mean. Um, and back then I wasn't, I wasn't here. I didn't know if I was, and I didn't know if people 
would listen to me if I if I didn't collaborate with someone like Tori Kelly or be associated mm. with, you know. So that was a big kind of struggle in in my career. And obviously I'm in such a better place now. And I and we are both genuinely happy for her. And it does kind of sometimes take some words of affirmation as well from that person, maybe. You know, we had a um, seven-year anniversary of Red Roses a couple years ago, a show. And she came out and surprised everyone. She sang Nobody Love, which was her single on the yeah. radio, you know. And, uh, you know, be, uh, after she comes out and surprises and then we sing the duet that's on Red Roses. Before that, she was like, AJ, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Wow. You know, and, and you hearing that from someone you obviously look up to, but also someone that you've helped along the way. And she, in turn, has helped me in so many ways to hear that is uh it means a lot you know that's kind of nuts and i think that's hard for some people to even vocalize that out because you don't want to feel these certain things about your personal friends but at the same time art is so fucking personal it's hard not to sometimes you know i think oh totally it's 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 a hard pill to swallow especially when you have dreams and aspirations of your own and it's not to say that you look at your friend and you hate them for it but a little piece of you is kind of like don't I deserve that as well? Sure. You know? Yeah. And it's hard to say that out loud because it makes you feel like a terrible friend. It makes <laughs> yeah, you feel like a dude, terrible person. Sure. And so, sure. you know, I've, I've definitely, like, I'm I'm definitely in that realm too. But like I said, I do it in a negative way where somebody I don't know and, I'm, and I see them, they book something and I'm like, you're trash. You know what I mean? I'm do that too. I'll do that too. And I'll do it fucking better, better than you. Yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those things, man. And I, I think it's very nice that you could say that out loud because a lot of us sometimes go into this guise of saying, well, I'm the I'm the friend that if my friend does well, I'm always happy. True. A hundred percent. We're always happy, but there's still a part that we want for ourselves. Yeah, as well. dude. Not everyone's going to admit that for sure. Yeah, it, it is. It's a pride thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to keep your pride and be like, yeah, dude, if my friend does this, I'm going to be, yeah. And, and that's not the case. And you don't have to lie to yourself necessarily. Um, because the, once you do kind of confront it and know that it doesn't come from a place of like hatred or whatever, and, and maybe you are a little jealous, then it, once you admit that to yourself, that starts kind of like the quote unquote uh, healing process of that and you becoming true in your intention of, of being happy for somebody. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with them. It's just, it's just our personal want as an artist. Right. Right. And sometimes it's when you look back and you, everybody goes through this stuff, especially when people hit their, I don't know, midlife crisis when they're 40, they look back and they see that I I could have done more and I wanted more and I didn't get it. Yeah. It's it's a very hard pill to fucking swallow. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, I mean, Tori Kelly is a unique case too, where she has accomplished what every musician (laughs) wants to accomplish, you, you know, it's true. And it's, above and fucking beyond you know Mm -hmm. and there's some places i think like for you it manifests in a really good thing right where it caused you to reflect versus putting that upon her it's not her it's more like oh i have to reflect on myself which is oh completely it would have been so unfair if you know if she heard that i was going through that and i was like blaming Mm -hmm. her or whatever or whatever it was you know what i mean because yeah you're right it's it's not them it's kind of you're it's it's all within within you. Yeah. And and that does come with just like life experience and learning more and and you know, hopefully getting good advice from your friends that are not like they're not just yes men and they're like, you should definitely be as famous as so and so and X, you know what I mean? And blah, 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 and all these things. You know, it has to come from a healthy place. Yeah, because I had a friend of mine who did a stand-up at the same time that I did, right? And I decided to go into the YouTube route and I tried to help him out too, but his videos fucking sucked. It is what it is. And when I left to LA, <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know, it was fucking, it was, it okay, fucking, go fucking on. sucked. So when I went left to LA and I told the story before, he came out of nowhere with this long, just arbitrary le- letter out of left field on Facebook Messenger about how he goes, yo, I just want to say I'm super proud of you, blah, 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 whatever, whatnot. But I want to let you know that I was really salty when you didn't take me to LA with you. And I was like, what am I, your fucking mom, bitch? Wow. You know what I mean? Like, what the yeah. fuck? If you wanted to come to LA, you should have came. Yeah. You should have sacrificed the same shit I sacrificed. Yeah. I had I had 200 bucks, I think, in my bank account. That's it. I sold everything that I had, and I did. And I made a huge risk. Yeah. If you wanted to come along, you could have. But he kind of ended that with, like, I just want to let you know that I'm not, I don't think you're a better comic than me, but I think we're just different, right? And I just, and I wrote back the most disrespectful. <laughs> I just wrote back this. I, I, I kind of wrote back this and I'm just paraphrasing it right now because I don't know exactly what I said, but I said something along the lines of, if you were just as good as me, you would be where I'm right now, but you're not. That's why you are where you are and that's why I'm at where I'm at. So when you're, when you're here, then then you can come and that's talk to fair, me. That's fair, bro. Right? What you said. So it's like, how do you, and first of all, I never thought an ill thought about him and he comes outside. I'm like, what the fuck? I thought we were friends. Yeah. You know? Especially out of nowhere. You're like, what the hell? It was like two, three years. He didn't talk to me at all, you know? Yeah. And I thought because he was doing standup, I thought he was doing well in standup and it was just a different route. I stopped doing standup. Well, I was still doing it here and there, sure. but I decided to do YouTube mainly. And then standup was supplementary after a while, after I realized that standup wasn't something I really, really wanted, but it was kind of weird hearing that from him. And it, it pissed me off a little bit. Yeah. I was like, bro, I'm over here saying good shit about so. you. <laughs> you know. But I think you did it in a good way where it was like, I feel this way. And it's something that I'm dealing with. And you didn't yeah. put that pressure on her. Totally. You know, and you still loved her for it. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. No, totally, man. I mean, I think that's, yeah. And, and hopefully people, when they're coming up in music, they make actual genuine relationships and friendships, you know, where like, where the music actually, that's secondary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, for me too, I've always put music first and I'm always like, I I believe in music. That's like on my Twitter profile or whatever. You know, I almost put music before my family sometimes, before like my faith in God and things like that, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all humans and and we have, it's all relationship based. I think, you know, the, the purposes that we have in life and, and music and your art can come secondary. And it's great that maybe some of them come out of your art. Like we met because of art, you know yeah. what I mean? But at the end of the day, we'd hope that, yo, if I gave you a call, you'd come through if I really needed you. You know, that I think is is at the end of the day, what you want to make connections for. Oh, a hundred percent. You're also very intimidating to do music with though. <laughs> <laughs> it's very intimidating. <laughs> like, cause you know music, you know what I mean? It's very intimidating, dude. <laughs> hey man, I, I always, um, not that I, I, I like to be, uh, a chameleon and not that I'm trying to like, I don't ever hold back or anything. I'll mm-hmm. play what I need to play and stuff, but I love bro. My you'll, if you, um, if anybody watches any collaboration on, on my YouTube, you know, I will take the strengths of that person. And if we're making, arranging a medley, that's, you know, one of my like main specialties and the things that we, me and Tori have done a lot and me and other YouTubers have is like, I want to make sure they sound really good in, in the key that we're doing. That's why I love that I know music because then if we're singing a song that we both love and if, if one person's not reaching a note or if I'm not reaching a note, I can play it in any key that I, mm. that I want to, you know what I mean? And, and playing by ear and all that stuff and having the knowledge allows you to be more collaborative in a way that you can kind of adapt to what their strengths are and you could play your strengths. And then when y'all sing together, it's like as if you're listening to, 
a, you know, a match made in heaven in every single collaboration that I do. Oh, see, that's so kind of you. Hey, dude. I get nervous, dude. <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> My palms get sweaty. I bet it would be so <laughs> I good, I get so bro. nervous. I bet it would be so good. And we probably did. We're around the same age. Listen to uh, a lot of the same R&B music and stuff. So if we made a medley or something, dude, and and you chose your favorite songs and I did, and I'm harmonizing and all this stuff, and, and you're harmonized back and... We're doing our thing. I think it would be amazing. Let's fucking do it. My palms are sweating. <laughs> really? I'm like, why is my ass sweating right now? Dude? I'm like, oh shit. I'm getting all nervous and shit. Doug. Nah, man. I, I want to be as economical as as I can be, man. I, I love collaborating. The number one thing I think um, about music that I enjoy the most is like playing on stage with other people, making videos with people. That's like, that's mainly why I do music. And Probably 90% of my um, videos on my channel are with somebody else. That's the fun part too. Like I, I think the the smart thing that you're doing is making sure that you're having fun. Yeah. Because you've been, I mean, having a YouTube channel for this long, right? It's, it's kind of insane. And the perspective that I always have is most television shows only go for about two seasons. Dang. Yeah. You do 14. Is that 14, average? That's probably that's average. About average. About two seasons. And most, and after one. So... You've been doing this for 14 fucking years. That's more than anybody can ask for. Even like pop musicians, they don't last 14 fucking years. They had their heyday in like three years, four years, and then on, on to the next one. You've been doing 14. That's fucking nuts. 14 That's seasons. 14 seasons of a television show. Think, <laughs> just think about that. Try to wrap your head around that right now. Most television shows only go about two. And then on top of that, the ones that are highly successful average about five. And then there's the unique ones like Friends, The Office. Sure. They go nine. nine yeah. 14 nine, is five yeah. years past that. It's kind of insane, That's man. insane to think about. Well, and then I just had the thought of like, you know, we have our subscribers and our own channels. Like those numbers are as, as much as like a network subscriber base. Ha like AT&T probably has like X amount, hundreds of thousands of subscribers in one area. You know, like we literally own our own networks of the content that we make. Yeah. And it's all yours too. Right. Which is... It's, it's very hard to do. And once again, you're essentially a fucking one-man band, which most people, like, for example, like me, I cannot do. I, I turn on fucking, I don't know what it was, fucking Audacity or something. I see this shit, I go, off. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I cannot, I don't even know where to fucking start. And they go, you know, you have online tutorials. Man, fuck those tutorials. They're hella hard. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's just fucking nuts, you know? And then there's stuff like different type of preamps, sound fucking different, different mic sound that different. That stuff intimidates me. Um, as like talking to other gearheads mm -hmm. for sure, but I think dude programs, man, like, you know, I obviously started on like GarageBand um, and things like that. And then like kind of graduated to logic. I use logic all day. Um, I don't use Ableton or Cubase. I wish I did. Um, but that stuff all comes with just like, yeah, not being scared of it, which I still am to an extent, yeah. and, like exactly what you're saying. Um, but yeah, you just got to give yourself more practice on it, bro. Oh, that just scares me. I watch my buddy Z do it, and he's just his his cursor's moving so fast. <laughs> Does he have a trackball too? Yeah, like, he's, going, he's going all over. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just you know, cutting this up and fixing this here. I'm like, what is going on, dude? Are you breaking to the Pentagon? Yeah, he, are you hacking some shit, bro? Yeah. He's just doing all this other shit. I'm like, I, 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 I feel you. That does get intimidating to me. It's like engineers who are just really fast. My, um, my bass player right now, his name is Chad uh, Manalo. Uh, he lived in Chicago for a while and he had to audition to be Twista's engineer. Really? And he got it. That's nuts. Yeah. Dude. You know, that guy says like 20 words a second. I don't know what he's, he has the record. Yeah. You know? 
um, but he had to keep up with him. So he's super fast now. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> Imagine Twista's engineer like, you got to keep up. He's like, let me do that again. All right. And then, like, I don't even know what you said, bro. What the <laughs> yeah, hell is going know, on? Right. The hell is going like, on? Can I get a lyric sheet, please? So I know where I am. I heard like Lil Wayne has an, he has like an on-staff engineer at all times. They have to be ready on call. So if he, if it's 4 a.m., he wakes up and Lil Wayne wants to make a song. He comes through. He has to go to his hotel room, wake up in the middle of the night, record his shit, and then go right back to sleep. Holy shit. So I heard that dude gets paid a lot, but it's very stressful because sure. Wayne's catalog of music, he said that if he died over like 30 times, he could, he'll still have an album every year. That's how much he records. Am I fucking nuts? <sighs> I got to give it to those people in that in the industry who do that. I mean, not just Lil Wayne, but yeah, guys like him yeah. who are just on call. To make magic happen because yeah like you said earlier like being creative all the time is not easy hey you write me a song dude <laughs> <laughs> so i don't have to don't have to do it dude i'm dude i'm really down to, to collaborate i swear we've not formally ever talked about this um but i'm down to collaborate I'm of you, dude. That's why. <laughs> please don't be scared of me i'm like the easiest guy to work with i swear like i know you you work with jason chan and you're seeing what he does in the studio and stuff um I'm even easier than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not even there. <laughs> I'll do it through Zoom. <laughs> For real, bro. I'm down, man. I, I've been waiting. I've dude, been waiting, come, come, come through the studio. Me and my buddy Z, we're, we're actually really close to where you live. Like, cool. it's like, I'm talking about like 10 minutes away. Oh, really? Like that fucking okay, close. Okay, cool. All right. Come at night and then let's, let's, let's just make some shit, man, and have fun. That'd be dope. Let's do it, man. I'm down to, I always like to start with, Doing something that we're both familiar with. Like if we were to do just like a fun little minute long boys to men thing. Oh, I love that shit. Let's do it. And then the, then we get that vibe going musically and and know where each where we are. And then we can make music. I love it, man. Well, where can they find you, AJ? Oh my goodness. Uh Twitter right now. I'm really I was serious about the TikTok thing. Like that is like it's giving me motivation. And encouraging me to like be a lot more creative or even funny or like different things. So uh TikTok AJ Raphael music, but everywhere everywhere else you just type in AJ Raphael with an F, not PH, like most a lot of people try to spell it. <laughs> um, like the Ninja Turtle, that's PH, but I, I am my own guy, A J R A F A E L. So Spotify right now. Uh, YouTube, I'm still kind of there right now, as you said. You know, it's kind of dwindling, but it's all of us. <laughs> I'll always have love for YouTube and what it's done for me, and the friendships that it it's it's made for me. So, but yeah, find me online. Cool. Well, every Genius Brain podcast episodes on Thursdays and Sundays. You can catch AJ at all of his tags, and we will see you all next time. Twice a week. Twice a week, man. You're amazing. I just be talking shit, dude. Holy <laughs> shit! Twice a week. Yeah. I did not know it was twice a week. Everybody was doing one. I was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do two. <laughs> and it all leads to. Yeah, now I'm fucked. I got to do two a week. <laughs> so I can't stockpile. It's like, shit. Thanks for having me, bro. Love no, you, No man. problem, man. Peace.